just what we do Light them up, drink them down Whiskey and cigars all around Cheers, y'all That's the start of a party, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this fine radio program, podcast, and video extravaganza known internationally Hi, as the world-famous Smoking and Toastin'. We are all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars, and we are on location are this such week. such good things. Doing the show on location live at No Label Brewing, Katy, Texas. Love this With place. our good friend Tom Painter from No Label. It's and Tom, welcome it's good to be back, back with you to guys. the show. Yes. It's always nice to have you it's on. The third time for me. This, yeah. <laughs> so you're part of the three timers club. That's a that's a fairly exclusive group. You know, that's a, a, not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we don't invite you back if we don't like it. Yeah, or at least, <laughs> or at least like what you bring to the show. Sure. So yeah. That. So if you uh, hit ten times, you get a fire jacket. That's absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely right. <laughs> well, uh, we are excited about uh, about being here today and already enjoying because it's a warm. Houston, Texas summer day today, and we're having a warm Houston, Texas summer, I can tell you that. It's a warm summer, and, yes. And uh, so we're already enjoying one of the 1980 Kolsch uh, beers that is probably, you guys, uh, is this the lightest one on your entire uh, lineup? It's equally as light as our Gillies. As the Gillies, okay, <laughs> which is also a good and very enjoyable uh, beer for the summer. So, uh, so we're starting out here, although I'm sure because Ian... Ian does not discriminate against heavier and darker beers in in the warm temperatures. So nah, uh, that doesn't so, bother me. Yeah, you you've you've even <laughs> nah, uh, nah, porters in the summer, porters in the winter. I'm fine with it. <laughs> that sounds like a song of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> porters in the summer, porters in the winter, <laughs> porters around dinner time. Yeah, he accepts all beers. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Equally. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. It's a very diverse show, and we believe in uh, equality of beer. Uh, although not all beers are created equal, in fairness. Uh, that's for sure, but every style has a time and a place, yes, I think. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, so we'll enjoy uh, a number of styles today. And, Tom, it is so great to have you back on the show today. It's great to be here. Um, we have a lot of things to talk about. Um, there's, um, uh, there's news that has just uh, come out that Scandinavian Tobacco Group, which is one of the larger tobacco companies, uh, has acquired Room 101. Matt Booth's uh, boutique cigar company has been sold. Uh, to STG, so that's a big, uh, that's kind of big news in the cigar world. Uh, there's a new, and I'm really interested to talk about this story later and get your take on it, Tom. Uh, but Nola Brewing, which is out of New Orleans, and they have a, a Houston satellite location, uh, they are releasing their first AI created craft beer. Yeah, I know that was the face I made too. I like no say what, but this this seems a little strange to me. So we'll delve into that and find out what that is all about. And I'll ask this as a question, Ian: Crab in your whiskey? Uh, I uh, it wouldn't occur to me. No, apparently, apparently it's happening. Which reminds me of an old joke that I heard many many years ago. Uh, what's worse than a lobster on your piano? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crabs on your organ. Okay. I think, I think you just dad joke. Yeah, I think I did. I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, so anyway, we'll uh, we'll get into that. We'll talk about a lot of other things, uh, cigars to watch for. And, of course, our, uh, our you know, famous or infamous uh, segment on the program, Drinking News. Today's Drinking News teaser headline is... Is the mic picking that up, you think? 
Is Mike oh, yeah. picking that up? Oh, Doug says yes. That's okay. Right next to Mike. Let's try it again. All right. You can do anything with Legos. All right, and we'll get to that as the program uh, continues. So, uh, so Tom Painter, nice to uh, nice to be out here at your establishment. You guys have a very large outdoor uh, area here uh, that's part of your tap room, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's it's. Do, uh, is this something that arrived by necessity, or did you just say, you know what, let's build it big and they will come? Uh, the space was already here. Yeah, <clears throat> it was already large, and really it was. There's a uh, there's a tap room uh, that's right behind Ian, and then and then there's this space, and then other than that, that's all we really used. But then when COVID happened, because this was mm-hmm. there's a giant lot out here that people can't see, but uh, um, basically this was all kind of a, a free for all parking or people bring like lawn chairs and set wherever. Sure, sure. But then uh, when COVID happened, it was like, oh, we better add some structure here and get some spaced out seating. Right. So, so you, have so you were able, you got enough space, you were yeah. able to space the tables apart and people could come and, and not feel like and, they were, uh, uh, you know, too socially yeah, undistanced. In everyone's and, yeah. space. And yeah. then we kind of decided we kind of liked it the way it was. Mm-hmm. It kind of added a little bit more you know structure like to the space and then yeah. um, so we'll have to take some pictures and, and and put them up in post but uh yeah there's tons of picnic tables i mean how much seating do you have out here there's tons of it and then all of that's got some shade above it uh that you put up on posts and that's pretty pretty yeah awesome. we added the sun sales last year uh which uh, the sun is taking its uh it's really beating them down this yeah. year <laughs> uh, yeah no kidding and then of course we have a we have a full size playground uh for the kiddos cuz not only is no label a brewery we are actually also a babysitter of sorts <laughs> uh so like we'll have family movie nights people bring their kids and then people then their parents will just like go to town in the tap room now i saw uh when we walked in i saw the you know very cool uh slide structure with multiple slides yeah. that you have there in the kids playground area and i was just wondering you know late in the evening on a friday or saturday does that get used by a lot of adults who've been here enjoying the tap room for a while no it, it mainly just remains uh the, the kids oh, although okay, sometimes good. adults will lose track uh, lose track <laughs> of their kids and like kids will start trying to like explore like the storage containers and, like, trying to, like, <laughs> and or, or, or like they'll start leaving the property and sometimes we have to get on the mics and be like hey yeah. hey there's some there's some kids that are having a stand by me moment at the <laughs> like on the railroad tracks maybe and then uh these parents are like oh no yeah but yeah. we haven't lost a kid yet that's good to know <laughs> this is yeah. good i see you got a stage over here as well uh live music stage uh we have music um uh thursday fridays and saturdays uh sometimes on sundays uh all local bands uh typically but um or texas bands i should, mm-hmm. I should say sure. um, regional band uh yeah so there's always something going on uh the yard's pretty modular we'll have in during the weekends we'll have like four to five food trucks out here and then we'll have a bunch of vendors and we have a lot of local markets will come out and people will set up their wares and stuff and and recently there's uh like this we have a cigar vendor that comes out every friday and saturday nice so and also cbd seems to be showing up a lot more mm-hmm. uh recently mm-hmm. as well so it's it's so so it's all the things and all the smells <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of cigars, this wasn't the cigar I intended to smoke for the show, uh, no, but no, Ian no, no. offered me a, uh, a factory smoke as we uh, were getting set up here uh, before the show started, and I'm still working on it. Uh, this is really nice. Now, I reviewed a factory smoke from Drew Estate a couple of weeks ago on the show and really enjoyed it. This one is a little bit larger ring gauge and I think may have a little bit more complexity. Very very interesting. A little bit, a little yeah. more chocolatey to it, actually. Right. Yep, yeah. and, uh, uh, and it goes really nicely with the Kolsch. 
Now we're we're gonna have to uh, uh, open up this uh, Gillies Texas Blondale here in a moment and see we'll see how it goes with that. Now uh, so far with the 1980, it's rocking. I uh, I ran sound at a friend of mine's um, uh, event a while back. It was the guy clark tribute show and you guys sent beer out to that oh you ran sound for that yes oh yeah hell yeah i'm uh i'm very good friends with matt harlan who, who oh did yeah, yeah. Well, like yeah uh, i love matt he's so he's so awesome yeah yeah and uh yeah i heard that thing was just uh i heard it was a rager i heard it was great yeah it was fantastic but uh you guys had a, a table set up and i drank much of the gillies that that evening <laughs> it's just uh, it's just a very easy drinking beer now uh, tell us, you may have told us this story before, but uh, see, this he is what happens it. when you've been on the show a couple he of times. Gets it. You totally get our our fascination with homemade sound effects. Um, tell us again uh, the story of how Gilly's beer with Gilly's name on it came about for you guys. What was the origin of this? Oh my, oh my goodness, uh, it, it, it's a tale as old as Texas. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so Mickey Gilly. Uh, you know, uh, had the famous uh, uh, Gilly Saloon from Urban Cowboy, mm-hmm. and you know that, uh, the, the well, largest honky tonk dance hall in the world. Uh, and uh, at, at one point, he was having a beer. His own beer was being made by Shiner, uh, actually, uh, and and that, those were the original makers of of the Gilly's Ale, uh, like with Shiner. But when the Pasadena uh, wonderland as it were uh uh burned down uh that beer kind of burned down with it and then uh and then for years it just kind of nothing was that was a thing of the past yeah you can here and there yeah and then and then um and then in the 2000s uh or in uh i think it was around 2012 or so the gillies estate kind of reached out to a no label and we just slowly started talking about having a beer release in the tap room and and stuff like that and then uh when uh when we took over uh four years ago or so it was like whatever happened with this gillies thing and yada 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 and i was like oh well we have like this partnership with them but we haven't talked to those guys in a long time i was like well we need to track these guys down. yeah long story short we're having these journeys out to pasadena to like track down our contact information for like 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 the gillies family and it's like like this mysterious and track trying to track down this old musician family you know with with uh, with uh, the D- texas dna all over them and, right uh, right and uh eventually they, they they find out that they're looking for us like we, we meet them up and i was like hey you know we need to take gillies out of the tap room and put it back into texas you know how many ice houses and music halls sure. do you Would go to gillies. and you see those old cans yeah. and you see the, like the old signage and i was like this is we need to bring this back to texas and and after doing this long drunken speech about how gillies is part of the texas dna and music and all that stuff uh, so so it was and so uh starting in um we did a big kickoff event in Galveston this past year uh, with Mickey Gilly, may rest in peace, um, in, uh, in Galveston, where we kind of recreated uh, the, the dance hall and everything. And, uh, and then we launched Gillies, and now we just can't make enough of it. Wow. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, so you mentioned uh, not being able to make enough. And you told us before we got started on the show today that you guys are just making just as much beer as you can make right now. Is that... Uh, is that a factor of you know demand for craft beer in general? Is it a is it just how much no label has really taken off in the past couple of years? What where do you think the demand is coming from that's got you guys cranking out more beer than ever? Um, uh, I think craft beer is definitely more people are 
are okay with it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and uh, I think more people are seeing craft beer as just local beer, um, as beer beer that's made in your hometown by people you know, like within the community, the uh, local water, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Like you know exactly who's making it. All the money is benefiting the community, going back into the community. You know, uh, like we're definitely a Katy Texas brewery. There's you know, uh, uh, but but then also yeah, the I think like things like Gillies. I mean, people just want that beer. They just want that label. They want mm-hmm. that can. But also, we're on. A, we are kind of on an award spree at the moment, which is good momentum for no label. Which well, so yeah. so let's go ahead and go there. Let's yeah, let's get Your that. Your Cali Boy IPA. Yeah. Let's make sure I don't get the award wrong. It was a silver medal at the World Beer Cup. Yes, that. So I that actually got that right. It's awesome, dude. Do you know how few beers ever? I know. Get anything at the World Beer Cup? Like, I, not to mention a silver medal. I mean, that's that's incredible. Uh, a, a silver medal in the Imperial IPA category. It's and also the World Beer Cup. It, it only happens every two years, but because of COVID, it hasn't happened in four years. Right? Because oh, wow. they, they canceled one. I yeah, that. and so it's 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 this is it's the one of the most competitive categories. Um, uh, it's it's right, it, because every brewery makes an IPA yeah. and almost every brewery makes an Imperial or or, yeah, yeah. or a big IPA. I mean, of some yeah, sort. Imperial IPA. I mean, people feel like what's an Imperial? Just uh, a high ABV IPA. It's, it's yeah. more. It's exactly. <laughs> yeah. a little just, more. Yeah, <laughs> some some that you would see labeled as double IPAs, you could call those Imperial yeah. ABVs. It's just a higher ABV. A, a IPA. It's usually usually much hoppier. Yeah, and usually uh, something that isn't going to appeal to the casual IPA drinker as much as the you know the real IPA fan. But IPA is definitely the it's the crossover. It's the so the it's gate, like the first the, craft beer, that, the gateway that, that, that beer. Someone, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a little bit. Yeah, like someone who was like, all right, I want to move past the blondes. I want to get into something a little bit more crafty as it were mm-hmm. and the ipa is usually where they go which is why it's one of the most competitive categories right and it's also the, it was one of the last categories of the night so it was one that we definitely thought we weren't going to win oh wow <laughs> like, 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 like so were you actually there at we, the uh, ceremony we, we were there it was in minneapolis and like we had like eight entries i believe and so we had burned through seven of them and we we're like okay well, that's a wrap on that. Yeah. Like, like we're having, it's going to be a good night. Let's get some sleep. Let's go back to Houston. They hit the last category. It was like bronze, too, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, well, it's done, guys. Okay, let's go. Silver, no label. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's, that's one of those where you're like, you know, like when they say at the Grammys or the Oscars or whatever, well, I really did not expect to win, but you really did not expect to win. Uh, well, we did not. No, yeah. we were all pretty hung over from the night before, too. And, <laughs> and, uh, I'll tell you, the only thing that can really defeat a hangover <laughs> is winning a World Beer Cup medal. We a, won. Uh, a little <laughs> surge of adrenaline there. Yeah, I'm sure. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, people were crying. It was, uh, it, was it was very like our, our head brewer uh, trailer, who is who's on paternity leave right now because he had his kid one week ago today. And this was his creation, oh, wow. right? This particular uh, this is IBS? the first beer he made here. Wow. Yeah, his his because uh, he's because he's from California, right? He's he's, he's from San Diego. Yeah, right. <clears throat> he came over here during the pandemic and. And there's a uh, someone on our Facebook was like, "Oh, you got someone from San Diego. Well, that guy's gonna melt away in the Texas heat." To which she was like, "San Diego is like 95 degrees when I left, but okay." <laughs> the uh, 
Uh, but so it's him on the label, and it's him leaving California, and then his face is just melting away as he enters Texas. I love the artwork you guys have on the cans. It's so so much fun. There's so so much personality to it. We have we have a bunch of local artists we use. That one was Shannon Parker. Uh, but yeah, we actually yeah we adorn our property with like like with the art. Yeah, because it's all that really works. Yeah, it's all it's all local artists, and 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 we and I've got more local artists. Like I was in Columbus, uh, Texas two weeks ago and i was in a brewery there and i ran into a local artist who's doing a bunch of stuff and he's like i would love to do a, a, like a label or two foot like for you guys i was like you know let's talk i mean really is the price right because some artists will be like i'll do a label five thousand yeah. dollars i'm like i i wish i had five thousand dollars <laughs> how many cans of that beer would you have to sell just to pay for the uh, for the artwork right so yeah. but but you know for a company that's named no label you guys have some of the more colorful and interesting uh, can labels of any brewery around. So, also in Minneapolis, they had the Craft Beer Marketing Awards there, uh, which uh, would have been the thing I would be talking about all summer if we hadn't won the World Beer Cup the very next <laughs> night. But we actually won uh, Best Beer Label in the World for Cali Boy. That's so the same awesome. IPA that you won yes. the uh, silver uh, medal in the yes. Imperial IPA category, that same beer one for best uh label label. yeah love it that's fantastic i I went to our head of sales i was like if you can't sell this beer (laughs) (laughs) no you're absolutely right you're absolutely right well it's it's just such a huge honor and i i'm doing and this is not in any way meant to demean any other local breweries but do we know of any other local breweries that have placed uh a silver or a gold at the world so only <clears throat> two other breweries uh, play got World Beer Cup medals uh, in Houston. Uh, that uh, one is Valentins, who we were actually sitting right. on, on the row with because mm-hmm. we're we are we are the bestest of brewery friends, uh, as it were. And the other one was True Anomaly outside downtown Houston. True Anomaly. Um, yeah. So that's the only, and then the only other brewery outside of of us uh, ever in Houston would be St. Arnold. St. Arnold. St. Arnold has a few. Yeah, They've yeah. also been around the longest, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, but yeah, so but well, it, but it still speaks to how rare of an honor this is. Oh, I mean, it's I mean, it's wild. I mean, I was like all these guys from like Eureka and Spindle Tap and St. Arnold. All these guys were there at that that event, and just kind of like I don't know. You don't expect to win. I mean, I don't know. It's it's so it's rare. It's so competitive, and and it, and it gets bigger every year, yeah. like or every two years, as it were. So it's I mean, every brewery from around the world, you're. you're you're in uh, you're in um, hefeweizen categories fighting the Germans. I mean, you're, you're, I mean, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's beers from Tokyo, like like that are winning awards, and it's just like everyone right. is is having this battle royale there, and it's it's pretty exciting, especially to be this small brewery from Katy, Texas, you know, really punching above our weight for the how, most part. Uh, how much camaraderie uh, is there at something like that with the? Uh, guys from the other breweries i mean do you intermingle and hang out do you kind of stay with your own guys how, how does it how does it go down um i think uh, most people from houston stay with people from houston and then texas but yeah i mean the craft beer in general we're kind of one one big happy family for the most part i mean I, i've said it a lot i mean i think the key to good management ownership and craft beer is to try your best not to be a complete asshole to your staff because <laughs> So many people in craft beer go around from brewery to brewery. Sure, like, no yeah. one stays anywhere 
I don't like we've had people leave and come back. Um, and we were talking about that even uh, before the show about how there's been a little, uh, you know, a little uh, revolving door, uh, so to speak, that has uh, sent some people from one brewery to the other, brewmasters, other other people that have kind of kicked back from one place to another. And it's there's always movement like that. So you're right. If you develop a really bad reputation as, uh, you know, as being particularly large jerks, it's going to hurt you in your ability to have the people that you want to work for you come work for you. Especially right now. It seems like most places are having a pretty hard time hiring people and mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. So well, uh, it's, yeah, and it's interesting because as, uh, I'll just say it this way, as the country forgets that there's a pandemic, uh, and people just you know, are, are back out and doing things. We are seeing craft beer make a pretty strong comeback yeah, yeah. from the uh, from the days of lockdown, uh, so to speak. How, how far out is a uh, distribution for No Label right now? Are you uh, statewide? Statewide, gotcha. Our main focus is definitely in the Houston and Greater Houston area, but we uh, but yeah, we distribute all across the state. I mean, I just came back from a award festival in Fredericksburg, and we have some beer out there. Uh, oh, we won. We won a gold awesome. for Cali Boy. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, like you said, if you can't sell that beer now, you know, right. you're, uh, <laughs> uh, this is the award winner. The uh, Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it, it, it's, it's certainly a great time for the brewery, but I tell people, I have, uh, I have friends I'm involved with that we, uh, we have part of a restaurant called Blood Brothers Barbecue, mm-hmm. and we just went to the James Beard Awards. And uh, which uh, we were finalists, but we didn't did not win. Uh, but they were like, "Ah, oh, Tom, Still, to be a finalist is pretty cool." They're, they're, I was like, "Ah, we'll get him next time." They're like, "They're like easy for you to say, Tom. You're you're winning all these awards." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my God, no! I'm 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 far more used to being a loser than a winner. Yeah. Trust me, uh, uh, losing comes naturally. Winning is like what?" <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But you know, it it does seem like um, when when you get that kind of recognition. Does it make people, I mean, do people in general, customers who are, you know, standing in a, a Specs or at an HEB or, or wherever, uh, does it make them more interested in trying your beer that wins the gold, uh, the, the gold or silver medal? Do they even know? So we're actually going to put it on the label to kind of make it smart. Yeah. You know, but I've had this conversation with a lot of people because there's a lot of breweries in town that have won awards and then they do a small spike and then it'll go away. I think it's uh, for a brewery our size. That's so small. Um, I mean, I say small. We do, we do five thousand barrels. We distribute across the state. It's 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 larger than most brew pubs. But uh, but we we're still constantly trying to get people to look our direction. And yeah. So we need those. And there's a lot of competition for people's attention in the craft beer space. Right. Yeah. So when the, so when we won that award, how many people noticed? Eh. But when like but then Houston Chronicle puts out. A thing about us having like the second best IPA in the world, but that definitely put us. People were like, "Hey, I saw your thing in the paper. I'm coming out to get some." Or Fox it makes 26. you a destination at that point, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Then Fox Twenty Six does a piece, and then then we're talking about it right now, like right. I mean, this, it's the momentum train, like yeah. sure, sure, it makes sense. And by the way, as we said when you brought it on the show for the first time, it's a damn good IPA. Yeah. I mean, oh. it's not just. That it won an award, even though that should speak to the quality for itself. Uh, for itself, but I mean, it is a really tasty beverage. It is it is just absolutely delicious. And I'm an IPA guy, so uh, I'm I'd like to think I'm fairly discerning when it comes to uh, 
uh, IPAs, and I, and I think it's terrific. But, but you know, uh, just in case I'm wrong, we should have some later on, and I should uh, confirmed, confirmed, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right, we are going to take a break. Smoking and toasting on location at uh, No Label Brewing. We're in Katy, Texas, and it's a warm summer afternoon. But that's how we do it here in it's Houston. Downright balmy, yeah, and we will be right back. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. We are uh, on location this week at uh, No Label Brewing Company in Katy, Texas. Recent winners of the silver medal at the World Beer Cup, as we discussed, and that's a huge thing. And uh, Randy is here with us. Randy's the general manager here at at, uh, No Label. Now, Randy, we can probably figure out what the general manager does, but tell us, what is is your, like, ongoing... Uh, daily role what do you do besides tell tom what to do (laughs) uh so basically um i run a day-to-day operations here at the brewery um i kind of i'm the glue that kind of tries to stick everybody together right um i liaise between departments whether it's operations and tap room and management and ownership um so I do all that. I, I, You're the one everyone blames. <laughs> there's, so. there's someone to blame. It's going to be me at the end of the day. And did you come on uh, during the, um, you know, when Tom came on and the uh, purchase was made of, uh, of No Label? Is that is that when you got involved? Tom and Gary brought me on shortly after they came on board. Um, we've known each other. We've been friends for a really long time. And we had always kind of talked about trying to find an opportunity where uh, we could do something together. And, and we've always been passionate about craft beer and, um and our love for for the industry and so uh this opportunity came around and they they wanted to see if i was interested and i i immediately jumped at it because how often do you get to work with your best friends and and not just work with them but do do something that you love to do and be a part of an industry as welcoming and as fun to be a part of absolutely that's awesome what is the most difficult part of owning and operating a craft brewery is it Finding a good brewmaster is it marketing? It, what 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 part is the hardest? I, I think uh, to me the part that's the hardest is finding a way to uh, to maneuver those fastballs that come at you, whether it's uh, equipment that breaks down on you mm-hmm. or someone that's gotten ill or uh, just any, any last minute curveball that gets thrown at you. It's always uh, the to me that's the most difficult part. You'll you'll there's there's talented people out there, uh, and it is more difficult these days to find some good help and stuff like that. But I think we've been fortunate enough um, where we haven't had to wait too long to find the right pieces to our puzzle. Mm-hmm. And um, so to me that as nerve wracking as it can be to kind of find those right parts that you need to make everything function, I think it's it's the curveballs. Have, have you, you noticed we read, we read a lot about how it's more difficult today to find employees than it was say a few years back? Ha, have you noticed that in your uh, in, oh yeah in your without a doubt as well? We're 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 still looking for people to help. Okay, all right, cool. Well, you know, Ian and I may have some time available on our hands. So, uh, yeah, getting we pay in beer, getting getting to be involved. You know, and I already work, work for that, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I've been a musician for years. <laughs> I've made tens of dollars. Yeah. 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 But you've had some great beers. But I've you? had great beers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, and you guys do have great beer here. Congratulations on the uh, on the on the silver medal. And Appreciate we have that. we have the Cali boy in, in front of us here. Yes, sir. So how, what will you guys do 
now that you've gotten you know the medal and more publicity, what will you do to try to make this beer more Global ubiquitous? Recognition. Yeah, I want to. I want to so see this showing up on restaurant menus and things like that. Like how. I, I I know all of that is a challenge, the, the whole distribution angle. But but how do you go about that? You you've got some real ammunition now. So what do you do? Um, you know, I, I think what we do is is uh, is make sure that we we solidify this achievement in our back in our backyard here in Katy and in the Houston market. Make sure that it's uh, it's really strong, and everyone is fully aware of what we're capable of of doing and producing out here in our small little brewery. Uh, and then once we've done, once we've achieved that and made sure everybody's fully aware of what we're capable of doing, then we kind of branch out from there. We do distribute statewide, so making sure that all Texas gets to yeah. gets to fall in love with mm-hmm. this beer, just mm-hmm. like uh, just like the uh, everyone else seems to be doing so far. You know, we want to make sure we do that, and then you know, after Texas, that's when we start looking at other markets. Obviously, uh, Houston is going to be your your best market cuz this is you know the area that you're from. But after Houston, where are you seeing the uh uh the best adoption of uh, of your no label beers? Um so the Valley is a great market uh down in Rio Grande Valley. It's really thirsty down there. Uh, they they <laughs> yes. really have a big appreciation for craft beer and um you know, they haven't had uh, as many breweries come down there. They're not as they're kind of you know they're so far down south, away from Houston, San Antonio, from Austin. You know they they don't get as much love as they should, and uh, we've always seen that when we when we visit the area and we present them with what we have, um, they show lots of love. They show lots of support. So nice. You know that's always a good area to grow into. Uh, we have a great relationship in San Antonio. We have a new distributor now oh, in the San Antonio yeah. area. Mm-hmm. So um, they're also a, a a really good market for us. That. That has always shown a lot of support in the past, right. and uh, we think they're going to love this Cali Boy. And we think that every all the new beers we got land, lined up for 2023, I think they're really going to love as well. Is there any of those that you can talk about? Or are they still kind of on the drawing board and and too secret? Still kind of on the drawing board. We'd, as we get a little bit closer, we we might uh, leak out a, a brew or two. <laughs> right. All right. All right. Well, you know, if you need. One of the things that Ian always like to, uh, Ian and I always like to offer ourselves up as is if you need anyone to do any of that, you know, sort of taste testing along the way and let you know, give you any feedback. You know, yes. we just we we would be honored. I think you guys are great candidates. Taste test process. You know? I don't I don't see that being a problem. We hear about this with <laughs> with cigars when people are trying to find like the right blend of cigars that they just they have a group of people they send out all these samples to yeah, and everybody yeah. you know smokes the cigars and, and picks their favorite yeah we would love to drink a lot of different beers and tell you which one's our favorite there you go That's we, a good we're idea. very good at finding favorites we'll send we'll send out a, a mixed six pack of some uh okay. some future concepts and right. see what you guys yeah. think yeah uh, i'm really joking around but i'm really not so <laughs> so some jokes uh, some yeah, serious yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly um let me ask you this when i go to a restaurant and the beer menu is clearly under the thumbnail control of Anheuser-Busch. Right. Because it's, you know. It's, oh, yeah. It's, you see that immediately. It's, it's all of the usual, you know, Bud and Bud Light and Michelob uh, Ultra. And then the only thing even remotely craft 
would be like maybe some of the Carbach beers. Oh, you've been to Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh, I yeah, see. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 47 taps and one good beer. Yeah, we hope you like Sam Adams. It's actually kind of you know? astounding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but whenever I go to those and I see that, I always talk to the waiter or the waitress and I say, will you please let your manager know yeah. that this is a very nice restaurant I have a higher expectation for your beer list than this. And in our city, there are over 60 craft breweries yep. in this area. A lot of great beer. Why would you not have one of those? Why allow Anheuser-Busch to control your beer list? You don't let one wine company control your wine list. You know, why would you do that? And uh, what I'm wondering is, <clears throat> does that have any impact or am I just, you know, barking in the wind? Uh, no, I think it does. Um, you know, the, the responsible bar managers and, and the people that really appreciate their, the patrons that they have, they, they really take that, that feedback into consideration. And sometimes their hands are a little bit tied behind their backs. Uh, I understand. If it's, yeah. if it's a corporate chain or something sure. like that. But we are noticing that a lot of these places are, are slowly starting to get, you know, they'll be given uh, like one or two taps that they can kind of rotate on their own. Mm -hmm. If it's mm -hmm. something regional that they want to to add on to their lineups uh you know their their management is slowly starting to get the ability to kind of incorporate that apart from what's required nationwide um i think a lot of these changes they like they like to keep everything as uniform as possible so they know that every state can yeah. have this certain beer out there and but they're also starting to notice that a lot of people prefer to to support hyper local to try local right. yeah well, so, they want to the do that so they're trying to you know, you're seeing that you know some some chains are, are loosening the reins a little bit. I see what you're saying about chains because, like, if you have something that goes across state lines and is like even across the country, that kind of thing, there are there are a lot of people who um, who will go to a different city in a different state and go, oh, I'm going to go to this restaurant because I know it's going to be good. Right. That's a strange concept to me because I want to explore. Right. You know, I'm, I'm very much the opposite side. I don't want to try something completely different. Like, yeah, you go to me, a new city, a new town. Exactly. Like, but there are people who like, they, they, I guess their comfort level is, you know, I want that same thing. But at the same time, like, if you can get those corporations to – to go, you know what? Here's here's a section of our taps that are local beers, and you can still get all your other usual suspects. Yeah. Well, some of these restaurants will, uh, and I'm not talking about like, you know, just chains or, or or less expensive restaurants. Some of them are making a very big deal about how they, you know, they source their vegetables locally and it's farm to table. And yet, when you go to the beer menu, it's all the national macro brews. It's like, come on, let's let's keep that same. Let's keep that same spirit alive in your beverage selection. I, I agree. You know? Absolutely. And, and I just I just figure if I'm going to go out someplace and I'm going to drop, you know, a hundred bucks or more for dinner that's, for my that's wife and I. Kind of how we met, me and Tom and I, because uh, so the restaurant group I worked for in Sugarland at the time we were opening uh, a craft beer and a burger concept, and my whole plan for that was for all the beer to be local. That's so local cool. craft yeah. beer. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody else in Sugarland was really doing that. At the time, uh, apart from flying saucer coming in at that about within that year that we were opening, everyone else was still kind of behind on it. And my whole thing was we're we're getting everything locally sourced as much as possible. I want our whole beer lineup. Apart from some, I'm I'm from New York, so I did have some Brooklyn on tap, but everything else, <laughs> everything else was hey, local. There ain't nothing wrong with Brooklyn Brewery. <laughs> <laughs> I was just enjoying with. some of their. Uh, 
Bodega Run IPA the other day. A very nice little brew. Nice. So yeah, but uh, but yeah, I I, th- I think that's important. I think it's uh, I, what I'm trying to point out is that I'm the consumer you're targeting. If I if I can afford to come and and buy dinner at your restaurant, then I'm the consumer you're targeting, and you're not reaching me with this part of the menu. Right. You know, and that doesn't encourage me to come back because there are other restaurants I go to where they do yeah. have good beer selections, and I'm more likely to want to go there if all other things are equal. You know, so yeah. I'm just, I just, I'm just hoping that it, that it the, ultimately gets back to someone who yeah. can do something about it. I, you know? I think it's slowly getting to that. Unfortunately, it's slower than we'd like it to be. Yeah, but uh, I mean, we are seeing that in certain spots. You guys, uh, to get to get yourselves into those restaurants and into those bars, you guys actually have to get out there and hit the pavement right you have to go introduce yourselves you have to get we, out there and here, try our beer you have Absolutely. to pitch the beer you have to do all that stuff that's all the legwork and i feel like some of those bigger places especially they go the lazy route where they they literally just go okay what's what on is. your truck okay right. good you've got all the bases okay, covered you've got yeah. an ipa you've okay got you've got hopadillo okay ipa is covered okay you've got uh, you know whatever yeah, you know what yeah. and, and again i'm not i'm not trying to trash carbot although I've been known to do that, but uh, but but that's but that's not really the point that I'm making. I mean, there's some good people over there. They make some beers that are that are wonderful. But m- my point is that because they're part of the Anheuser Busch machine, right? I feel like it, it's kind of like they're not. Their influence goes a long way towards not creating situations where there's more diversity, where there's more. I mean, where there's where the IPA slot on the menu is taken so they don't have an opportunity to have the uh, World Beer Cup Silver Medal IPA there. That would be awesome. Speaking of you which, know? look at this thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Please do. That's that's very impressive. I'm going to pull this right up to the... Uh... Yeah, please do, because that's a... Uh, <laughs> Tell me when I'm there, my friend. So I noticed that uh, Tom carried that over there. Where does that actually hang? Right now, it's being safely kept in our in our office until <laughs> that is a beautiful beautiful uh, we thing. get a we get Maybe. a nice display for it that yeah. it deserves well if i were you i would go out and get some replicas made of it so you could hang it all over the we're already on it buddy that's what i would do yeah immediately okay okay there you go there you go yeah like you remember those gold records that uh, they used to hand out to people for like sales of a million copies or yeah. whatever yeah you can have one of those made for about 45 dollars Oh really? Yeah, yeah. So, and then when people come over to your house, they can be very impressed with your influence in the music business. And this is the same for, you know, it's the same for this. Only you guys did actually win this. So. <laughs> we did. <laughs> that's the that's that's the really really good part. Well, we are so proud to be from the community that you guys call home and that you have represented in this way. I mean, that's just it's just such a huge deal. I I, I got so excited when. Uh, my wife forwarded me the uh, article from the Houston Chronicle, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I was like, "Oh my God!" This I, I was jumping up and down. It was, it, was just, <laughs> it was just it was just very exciting because when you're a part of the community, the way that you guys are, we do feel that kind of connection. We, so we're proud too, you know. So that all, means a lot to hear something like that. Also, you said so you're from you're from New York. Mersey from New York, yeah. All do my you, family's from Texas. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so do you do you notice uh, like in Texas just how much Texans love Texas things? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) That's got to help, right, a little bit. And, you know, there is a sense of, especially in New York City, there is a sense of some New York pride. Yeah. But as a state, I don't think anybody comes close to Texas in terms of... Chicago comes close to Texas. Yeah? Uh, The... 
the times that I've gone, I mean, you they they rep their flag like crazy. <laughs> uh, there's people that tattoo the the Chicago flag like on themselves. They they put it on every th- bit of merch that they can think of. So they, they come a close second, I think. And there's people that you know will get like the Chicago Bears uh, tattoos and stuff, but the yeah. team still sucks. Duh, so. <laughs> so I know uh, they, they, but they were good at, at, at one time. At least they have had back it. in the day. Didn't they do a back Super Bowl shuffle? They yeah, did. With the, they with did. the, the fridge. Super Bowl shuffle. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Those were the days. Those were the days. William Refrigerator Perry. Yeah, he was the man. But Texas uh, does have a lot of love for for uh, for the for, state for the state. And, yeah, and for things that are. That are uniquely Texas, that are that are local, that are regional, that are part of part of the state, and I think that's, you know, we were talking about earlier. There's over 60 craft breweries in the greater Houston area. Then you've got I don't know what the number is for Austin, but it's a lot. San Antonio has really come on. I mean, this is a real craft brewing powerhouse state, and, and you and guys always are... think Oregon and 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 other places, but I'm telling you, Texas is. Texas is hanging in there with anybody. And you guys are out here in Katy, but Katy, uh, what started off as a little town outside of Houston has turned into a, just a massive city on its in its own oh, right. It's, it's, it's growing huge. It's, it's growing crazy every now. year. It, it's expanding even bigger and bigger. I mean, I you mean, guys are. And I, we bought our house a, a couple of years back out here in Katy to be closer to the brewery. You guys are literally located minutes off of one of the biggest freeways in, in the, the world. world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is. Isn't there that a helps. space where it's like. 28 lanes across by the time you count the, the feeder the, roads, uh, and, the feeder roads and the HOVs and the, and there's a space where it's just, it's just enormous. There's uh, there's nothing else like it in the world. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for representing the way you do and for making all of us proud. And, and thanks for making such great beer. I mean, it, it, it shouldn't go without saying that none of this happens unless you guys know how to put it in the cans and, and make it and make it taste good and make it, Something that people are not only you know proud to see win awards, but are happy to drink too. You know, it's right. it, there. There's a lot of choice out there in the craft beer world, and you guys, I really feel like, especially since you guys have kind of taken over the brewery, that you have really put no label on the map in a, in a, a really cool and interesting kind of way. Or the literal map. The literal the map. Literal yeah. map. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that was you know uh, someone having an amazing vision. And then finding the talent, you know, to to brew that vision, and you know, it's it's a whole team effort. We couldn't have gotten to this point. It takes a village for sure. Yeah. And um, you know, I think at the end of the day, I don't think anybody's as lucky as we are to have the team that we've built. It it may take a village to brew a great craft beer, but someone as simple as Ian or I can drink it. So that's uh, that, that's that's takes, our takes one takes one, one person to one drink person it. to drink it. That's right. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for uh, hanging with us, and please hang as long as you would like. We are going to take a for break, having us, Appreciate and we will be right back. I want to talk about the cigar that I lit in a moment, and uh, you've lit a uh, another cigar too. Have I you did. Not? I've had this cigar many uh, times, uh, and it's so, fantastic. So we'll talk about that coming up. There's some cigar uh, news on the way that we want to tell you about, including some interesting things to watch for, and we'll be tasting more from No Label in Katy as we do our show on location. Uh, it's Smoking and Toasting. We'll be right back. Cheers. Cheers. Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 287. We are on location, and we're on location at the uh, awesome uh, grounds 
of No Label Brewing in Katy, Texas. Yeah, they got a Texas. great facility out here. It's they really, really nice. do. They really do. And uh, Tom is going to bring us some more uh, beers, although we're still working on the Cali Boy. And uh, I mentioned that I was going to talk about my cigar. I picked this up today. I was in the Humidor at Specs. This is the La Galera, although I've had La Galera before. This is the box-pressed Toro, the 80th anniversary limited edition. I know I'm a long way from the camera with this, but it is a beautiful uh, band and wrapper on the cigar. It is a Maduro, and so far this is smoking absolutely beautifully. What do you got going there, Ian? Well, let me tell you about it. What I have is one of the uh, Hoya... Um, Oh, the Hoya dark, de Monterey, yes. The Dark Sumatra, and it's mm-hmm. the A.J. Fernandez blend. And the Dark Sumatra from Hoya has been one that... It's been a staple in my cigar smoking since almost the beginning. As a matter of fact, back when um, Serious Cigars was Serious Cigars before they sold to uh, uh, Casa de Monte Cristo, mm-hmm. they were in a different location, uh, not too far from where they're at now, just yeah, right, right around, around the corner. corner. Yeah. But I went in there one time because uh, for my brew club, we were having a uh, what we call, we have a, an event every year called Lounge Formal. And... Uh, and I wanted to bring a box of cigars in case people wanted cigars. And I walked in there and I kind of shopped around. And uh, the, the the Dark Sumatra was one that uh, was recommended to me. And I hadn't had one. Uh, the gentleman there was like, well, uh, if you got time, sit and smoke one. And he nice. gave me the first cigar. Nice. Nice. And then I bought the box. And that's what we had at the lounge formal. And what an amazing cigar. It's, it's been a staple of mine ever since. And now A.J. Fernandez has his fingers in it. And it's got just a, a, a sort of a, a sort of a rich Maduro toastiness, as mm-hmm. I recall from uh, from enjoying the cigar. Very toasty, very um, very. Uh, it's 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 a stronger cigar than you'd think when you smoke it. Too, it comes in medium, but it a lot of people smokes think mild. Though, a lot of people it's, think though that Maduros are stronger, and that's not necessarily the case. And when you put a big word like Sumatra in front of it. It, uh, it it tends to make people think it's a little bit bigger, and that's and like people think Connecticut's are all light cigars, but that's and not, that's not always entirely true yeah. either. Especially the Connecticut broadleaf cigars, can yeah, be yeah, very they can hefty. be they can be quite big. But uh, but this cigar has has been a staple in it for years. If you know me, you've probably smoked one out of my humidor, um, and it's this this the construction on them is always second to none. The yeah, uh, you can tell how wonderfully straight that's. Yeah, the too. label on it uh, looks awesome. I mean, it's just. It's just and and they smoke a long time. They smoke an oddly long time for the size. So even though it's not a very big cigar, it does actually take a while to get through. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a forty-five minute to an hour cigar easily for this size. A few cigars to watch for: Drew Estate's Flying Pigs have been cleared for takeoff for their annual spring release. Uh, the Flying Pig is one of Drew Estate's most popular vitolas. It's a one hundred millimeter by sixty ring gauge, and they are now available. They're based on a photograph. In a 1985 cigar salesman's size selection catalog, really? they're a unique size, and they've all got the signature pigtail that requires special training uh, for right, boncheros and right. rollers at La Gran Fabrica du Estate in Esteli, N- Nicaragua. Only a few of their employees are certified to make these pigtails, so that's why these are always limited releases. But uh, they are limiting; uh, they're limited to two annual seasonal releases: one in the spring, one in the fall. There will be Kentucky Fire Cured, Underground Maduro, Underground Shade, and Underground Sun Grown Flying Pigs, all available to all premium cigar retailers and to retailers who are participating in the Drew Diplomat Program uh, partnership. Now, 
there'll be a Liga Provada number nine and a Liga Provada T fifty two. I haven't bid. seen I haven't seen the picture of that, but is that going to come in kind of like those uh, those short fat um, quesadas that were uh, that were in the uh, the twenty sixteen uh, Oktoberfest line? Yes, yes. they're going to be short yeah. fat with a pigtail yeah. kind of thing. Well, uh, and they are so they're all they're all in the size of a hundred millimeter by sixty, so they're all sixty ring oh, gauge, yeah, yeah. and they're all pigtail caps. So and and they're just the different blends. For those of you I having mentioned. trouble with the hundred millimeter thing, it's about twenty five millimeters per inch. So that's four inches. About, yeah, about, about sixty. So that is a short fat cigar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in two thousand and four, Rocky Patel Premium Cigars released a cigar you may have heard of called the Edge. Oh, it has become that. one of the best-selling premium yes. cigars since its introduction. This year, the company appears ready to release the Edge 20th anniversary. They've been teasing it on social media. According to the Rocky Patel website, the Edge 20th anniversary will, will uh, use a 10-year-old Ecuadorian Sumatra, Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper over a blend of tobaccos from Honduras and Nicaragua. In videos uploaded to the company's Vimeo page, Rocky Patel indicates that the wrapper is based on the Sumatran wrapper that the country used for the original version of the Edge. There's been no details given about the size or pricing or when they will ship. But if you're trying to figure out the kind of confusing math behind the 20th anniversary, it seems likely that the 20th anniversary refers to when Rocky Patel started working on the project for the Edge and not when the actual cigar was released. Only adding to the confusion is that the A10 was launched in 2015 to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the Edge. <laughs> so it is a little confusing, but none of that is going to stop Rocky from commemorating putting on something that's going to be commemorated. The A10 is a very cool-looking cigar as well, mm-hmm. and it's a very good cigar. We've I've actually talked about that on the show uh, before. And Ian's buddy, uh, Matt Booth, who uh, just recently sold his uh, Room 101 Cigar Company to Scandinavian Tobacco Group. What's he's, he going to do now? He's celebrating, well, I don't know. What do you think he's going to do now? Well, he's that guy's got his hands in so many different things. Like, uh, as far as I know, he has like, 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 uh, uh, what's it called like fashion accessory stuff mm-hmm, and all kinds mm-hmm. of crazy stuff like that. So yeah, right. He's, he's, he's going to do fine at whatever he does. Yeah, you know, absolutely. He's that guy. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him sell that company and start another cigar company. Yeah, that, that, you know? that wouldn't surprise uh, me too uh, much either. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's celebrating 13 years in the cigar business, which, if you think about it, that's not a really long time. I mean, when you consider that some of the people in the cigar business, have been in it for their entire life and their family, their father before them and their, you know, grandfather before them. Yeah, yeah. But Matt celebrating his 13 years in the business with a limited edition smoke that will debut in July, along with the big payback Nicaragua, a regular predic- uh, uh, regular production Nicaraguan offshoot of his core brand, the big payback. I like the big payback. Yeah. The Room 101 13th anniversary is a 6x52 Toro that is going to come in pink boxes of 20 cigars. At Nicaraguan Puro, all the tobaccos were grown on farms owned by someone named A.J. Fernandez. Who's who's that guy? He produced the uh, 10th and 12th anniversary releases for Booth. And uh, the factory, (coughs) excuse me, for the 11th anniversary was kept secret, but it very likely was A.J.'s as well. Big Payback Nicaragua also consists of entirely Nicaraguan tobaccos and is made by Hoya de Nicaragua in Esteli, Nicaragua, where the Connecticut version of Big Payback is made. The Maduro version is made in Honduras. Expected to reach retailers by the end of the summer. That's the 13th anniversary. And the Big Payback Nicaragua is expected to arrive this fall. And finally, according to the Chinese Zodiac, this is not the year of the rat. It's the year of the tiger. The last year of the rat was in 2020, and the next one won't be until 2032. 
But Drew Estate does not feel like waiting that long. So this month, they are bringing back the Liga Bravada Unico Siri Year of the Rat Cigar, which first came out in 2016, was re-released in 2020 in accordance with the lunar calendar. You know, uh, Jonathan Drew says, you know, with music, sometimes a new song comes out and you're like, yo, hit rewind. It's a testament to the proper beat, the lyrics, the completeness. Well, the same thing he says for Year of the Rat. So you can look for that to be coming out uh, very soon from Drew Estate, the Year of the Rat 2022. So Why well, didn't do a Year of the Tiger? I don't know. I, I guess they just thought the Year of the Rat was so pop was such a popular cigar they wanted to It does, to it does have a ring, right? Yo, hit rewind, as uh, <laughs> Jonathan Drew says. All right, so those are some cigars to watch for. We like to keep you up to speed with what to expect. And we're going to keep you up to speed with more beers and talk a little bit more about these cigars. Plus, we'll get into something we like to call uh, uh, <clears throat> drinking news. Drinking news coming up. It's smoking and toasting. Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting on location at No Label Brewery in uh, Katy, Texas, which uh, would be a great place to uh, just come spend a Friday afternoon or evening. Come maybe throw a little birthday party come enjoy some live music you on said the saturday they have like uh, uh people show up to sell stuff and all of that. uh almost every saturday we have some sort of market here we have two bands that, that play throughout the day we have four to five food trucks and a variety of vendors uh, it's a guarantee every saturday why is food truck <clears throat> food so good like what what is it about because like sometimes i'm at home and i go I'm making a taco, but it's not like that taco I got at that food truck. You know what I mean? That's a that's a very good question. I've had bad food truck food, but mm-hmm. then I'll just well, you know, and sometimes we'll have bad food truck here too. But then we just won't book them again, right? Uh, so I have a little bit of a <laughs> they theory. don't they don't get a return appearance. Yeah. I have a little bit of theory on that. Okay, I, th- I think the best food trucks are the ones that have a very limited menu. Generally <clears> speaking, <throat> like they do a certain thing and they do it really well. And you know what, what my food truck theory actually is, is that the key is in the sauce. Because whatever the sauce is that the they're sauce. putting on the burger or the tacos or whatever it is that they're making, that's something that they can they can put together in advance. It doesn't have to necessarily be assembled in the truck. And that, I think, is where the, the secret is of all the flavors. And just so you know, this is just about the time that that particular cigar you're smoking is going to start picking up a burnt paper note. This cigar I'm smoking right here? Yes. Oh, because it's getting close to the Because you're about uh, to, to burn that paper. Yeah, you know what? It, it does happen. So, uh, sometimes I'm doing my review notes. Burnt paper note, and I go, oh, yeah, that's I've my done, fault. Yeah, I've done that before. That's my fault. <laughs> hey, speaking of unusual things in your, uh, you know, in your favorite stuff, a New Hampshire distillery has unveiled a new whiskey with an unusual key ingredient. The ingredient is invasive green crabs. And no, you can't make this stuff up. Tamworth Distilling says, and look, I'm trying to peel this off, and it's, uh, of course, <laughs> so only a, peeling off so layers, on. so. Invasive green yeah. crabs are somehow in the distillery. Yeah, is it, it doesn't sound like something you would want in your whiskey. Is it? it affecting the water? What's good? <laughs> like, I, I, I'm a little confused by that. So Tamworth Distilling says it has teamed up with the University of New Hampshire's NH Green Crab Project to develop a House of Tamworth Crab Trapper. That's the name of the whiskey, which is being billed as made with a bourbon base steeped with a custom crab, corn, and spice blend mixture. So Stephen Grasse, the owner of Tamworth Distilling, said that the developers boiled more than 90 pounds of the tiny crabs into a crab stock, and it was then fortified with Tamworth-made neutral grain spirits and distilled on a rotary vacuum. All right. 
We're going to have to reach out to them because that sounds horrific. It, it has crab on the nose for certain, Grasse told Forbes. He said the taste is like, and I'm quoting here, a briny and better tasting fireball. Now, I'm not a big fan of fireball. <laughs> well. and I don't know if being briny would make it better tasting. I do like crab. I don't know if I want to. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's I not drink. a good descriptive. I don't, I don't <laughs> no. know if I want to drink crab. Like, like, I guess here in Texas, you don't have to worry too much about the crabs being everywhere. But you get like cicada, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, you he know, does say frogs. He does say they're working to raise awareness of the problem, which is these invasive crabs, in a way that's fun and interesting. But it also shows through creativity and gumption, we can turn these pesky critters into a tasty treat. He says, and, and try want, and knock them down a little bit. We um, want more brave souls in the culinary arts to rise to the challenge. Defeat the enemy by eating them. Tom, I just want to say, if anybody proposes like a Texas mosquito colch, you know, send them away. Don't, Texas don't, don't, don't even try it. <laughs> Texas mosquitoes. You know? Made with real Texas Made mosquitoes. Made real, real Texas mosquitoes. Because those are a pest. They're a problem. But I don't want them in my beer. I, and as much as I enjoy, you know, a good steamed crab. I'm not sure if I want it in my beer. Yeah, I will tell you. Okay, so, so you brought up the mosquito thing. I'm, I'm going to point out one simple thing. Like, mosquitoes can get bad in Texas. I've never s- seen mosquitoes anything even close to what I've seen in uh, Minnesota. Oh, really? Like, really? <clears throat> like, I, I was, I was. I have a brother that lives up there, and we were in the northern part, like uh, north of Duluth, and um, and we pulled uh, into a truck stop. or not a truck stop, but uh, what do you call it? Rest area just so I could use the restroom. We stopped the car, and the car had so many mosquitoes around it, I wouldn't get out of the car. <laughs> like, that's, like, when you can see the swarm of mosquitoes around your vehicle. So, And it made me appreciate how, how like, even when we have bad mosquitoes, they're not that bad. Is Minnesota uh, the land of 10,000 lakes yes. or whatever it is? So is that... Is that why the mosquitoes are so bad? I, I have to think lots so. Lots of water for them to breathe Now, in? it's, it's not that we don't have water? our own bugs here, because all the bugs here want to bite you and mm-hmm. sting you and or are just like or some kind of... giant cockroaches or that just, just exist. Giant, <laughs> terrifying there, There's a thing here <laughs> called the tree cockroach that, that really is the size of a, of a mouse, except it flies. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Oh, and yeah, cockroaches the fly. Yeah, and yeah. then on top of that, if you go through the... Uh, uh, Natural Science Museum, you see the cockroach exhibit. There's actually a section dedicated to that cockroach. It is the second fastest running cockroach in the entire world. <laughs> like that's why you that's why you look like an idiot when you're trying to go stomp yeah, one. That's science, my friends. That's science. <laughs> Those things are crazy. <laughs> now, there are clearly no mosquitoes in what you have uh, brought us to taste here, but what you have brought us is a wonderful like tasty Tart and sweet kind of beer. What what is this that we're drinking here? This is our El Carlito. It is a it's a Weizenbach. It's a Weizenbach. To the, to the, I, oh I admit, my god! I don't know what a Weizenbach is. Um, we 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 kind of so we have a beer called El Jefe here, right? Uh, this which really, by the way is a wonderful Hefeweizen. It is wonderful. This I essentially I, is in theory a, an imperial Hefeweizen, even though those, those don't really exist. It's a high ABV half, therefore a Weizenbach. So I want to I want to talk about your Hefeweizen for just a second. Uh, your Hefeweizen, I, I'm not a big fan of Hefe's in general. Like they're sure, they're, they're bready. They're okay. They're kind of what they are. Yeah. And, and I'll drink them. They're fine because I'm not. You know, I don't not like them. I just you know that's not the one I reach for. But there are just very few Hefeweizens that I think are so top of the rock 
and they're so good that it doesn't matter. And yours is on that list, and there's only like three that I can think of off the top of my head. And this is unbelievably good. Like, what have you done? This is crazy. I want to show this to the camera here. This is is uh, this a new brew? Is this something I don't recall seeing this one before? <clears throat> so we brewed this for the first time last year. Okay. Um, draft only, and then it sold out pretty quickly. So then we brought it back, put in a little package, and then we actually submitted it to a few uh, uh, beer festivals, as it were. We submitted it to the 2021 U.S. Open, which is also an international beer festival. Mm -hmm. It's just a little bit smaller than the World Beer Cup. Right, right. Um, and it won bronze there. Mm. Um, and then we're like, all right, let's brew it again. And then we brewed it for the the Texas Craft Brewers Guild, put on their first beer festival ever in January. So we brewed it again for that, and then it also won bronze. And so it has those two awards on this label. Oh, my God. I'm going to be taking some of that home. You should. Is, it's, it's really wonderful. That now, is unbelievable. I'm getting on almost like on like a very delayed finish, you get a little bit of that sort of banana uh, Hefeweizen vibe but up front it's almost more citrus like a like a hazy ipa it's 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 a very sessionable beer although by session i do mean it's 8.3 percent <laughs> so very sessionable this, this is going to be my river beer this year it's wow. it goes down very easy it really does. yeah a little too easy it, no, see no. i did that again right mm -hmm. yeah no this mm -hmm. this is outstanding holy cow uh it, it has kind of a like mouthfeel wise it has a big kind of pulpy mouthfeel like uh like when you have like a really good fresh squeezed orange juice kind of thing but it yeah. doesn't taste like that that's not that's not what i'm getting at it has that feel though it's, it's, it's really most of vibes going yeah on. Yeah, yeah very much Definitely. nice good one you get you get a little bit of that sort of pineapple vibe you get a little bit of the banana on the finish uh and almost like a citrusy like a, like a melon kind of uh, thing going on yeah yeah, the, yeah i mean a lot of different fruit flavors in there wow that's very impressive and i don't think i've ever had anything quite like it how would you describe this beer if you were selling it to us? Um, uh, it's a back-to-back award-winning uh, Hefeweizen with a bit of a punch that's perfect for a summer's day. Don't trust me. Trust them. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. You know how I would describe it? Beer good. It's Man, beer it's good. good. Like, yeah. I can't stop drinking it now that I've started. Yeah, it's it, it, that's, that's Again, very Again, you guys impressive. have this awesome label on here. You have the El Jefe in the background. And, uh, and who is this? Because I... You guys always do someone that actually works here in the front. Yeah, so that that is his his, his that, that guy's name is Carlos. We call him El Carlito. <coughs> and so he would drink a bunch of Hefeweizen, uh, a bunch of El Jefe, and then we wanted to make a beer in his honor, so we're doing this high ABV Hefeweizen. And we're like, <laughs> we're like, oh, it's the big boss. It's the big boss the of big beers. Boss, so so, uh, so we named after him El Carlito, and then it just started winning a whole bunch of awards. So so just so you know, when you're looking at a uh, when you're looking at a no label beer and you see people depicted on it, it is someone that yes. they know someone or and know or works, works brewery, here, right? Yes. Yeah, almost every one or thing is is it, it's related to uh, upper, like we even have a brewery with a cat on it, and the cat's actually one of my best friends. I see, I see the cat uh, over there. The mind your own business. But she, yeah, but she doesn't want people to know that it's her, so it's mind your own business. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Who is uh, on the uh, El Jefe uh, label? Who is that? So originally that that was pictured after uh, the founder Jennifer Royo, like just a badass chick that can carry her own weight, uh, and so that pretty much still is essentially her spirit animal, as it were. Although she has a problem that Jennifer's blonde and the person on the label is not, but that <laughs> I just like brunettes. Uh, <laughs> Can't blame me on that one. Can't blame me on that one. Uh, well, that's 
It, it is interesting, though, because any of your, and like we mentioned earlier, you've got so many really cool and interesting labels. And what I, I, I will buy the beer. When you finally put out a beer that is just the plain silver can and just has the word beer on it, preferably written diagonally. Sure, yeah, of course. I will buy that if I saw it in the store. I bought some of that way back in the day when generic products were becoming very popular. And it was just a, a, a can with white label and, and, and black lettering, and it said beer. When I worked it over, was god-awful. When I worked over at uh, H&H Music, there was a, um, a student-level brand of uh, brass instruments called Jean Eric. And I always thought that was hilarious because that's literally it was generic. It was but they Jean were called Jean Eric. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. I like it. Well, this uh, is so good. So you said this came out last summer, tap room only. This came out last summer, tap room only, and then oh, it, it's still always been tap room. Okay. Uh, but um, but it came out draft, and then we put it in package, and we put it in package again, and then this we just canned this last week. So. So this is pretty fresh. Will this Super go fresh. out uh, anywhere, or will it all only be available here? Not at the brewery? this time. So we just rebrewed this again, just for GABF, uh, which is coming up. All the beer has to leave in the next month or so. So we rebrewed it for that, the Grand American Beer Festival mm-hmm. that happens in Denver. That's in Denver. Yep. Um, but it will be back by the end of the year, and when it comes back this this that time, it will go out all across Texas. How do you um, decide? Is there a number for you guys of the amount, the number of beers that you will make available to retail at one time, and and how do you how do you get to the right number, whatever that number is? Yeah, well, every year we all sit down and we create a very detailed plan around around September or so. Around August, start thinking about September. We start sitting around, actually drawing it up for what the next year will look what, like. Right? What the next year will look like, you know, because it's a uh, <clears throat> you got to bring uh, basically kind of the things I want and don't want, and then what what the people and operations want to do, what our sales thinks will work in the market. Mm-hmm. We go back and forth, like, and then finally we take this structured plan, we present it to uh, HEB and you know our, our distributor, and sure. They give their two cents. We finalize that plan again. We're like, boom, this is the plan for the year. And then by the time you hit second week of January, something usually happens. And you're like, all right, throw that plan out. <laughs> Burn <laughs> that one. Let's you have to be able to be that flexible, though, don't you? Are you guys running? You mentioned you guys were uh, ramping up, making as much beer as you can. Are you guys running pretty much max right now? We are. Max, at, max capacity? Uh, we are running at max capacity. We actually just brought bought two more tanks. So those oh, so you're not only running max, but you're expanding. Well, we have to. We don't have a choice. In fact, I think we might have to run two more tanks. We might have to actually contract some, so a few batches out of this brewery. Gotcha. Where we, we, uh, we can't. Yeah, we. Everyone wants the beer, and then the thing about grocery stores is once you, once you get onto, once you get in cooler once space, you get that skew. You, you need to maintain it. Yeah. <laughs> like, and if you don't, if you can't maintain it, you yeah. lose you it. Bumped, you got yeah. to win it back again, and, and w- w- which you easily can. There's always openings uh, everywhere, but everyone's concerned with with consistency. I'm, I'm a little surprised you say that because a lot of times, like people fighting for that skew in a grocery store is a big deal. Well, like that's, I will just say. And this is a favorite saying of mine, Tom. These are the kinds of problems to have. Sure. You know? Because it means the demand is there and that you've got the opportunity to stock those stores. And, you know, being in – people might not understand, you know, what a big deal it is because, uh, you know, 
I, I generally go to beer stores or, or liquor stores or a Specs or something like that to, to buy beer. But there is something about being available at a grocery store chain like a Kroger or an H-E-B. Uh, and H-E-B is kind of a Texas thing, but most states have their own version of that, whatever that, whatever that is. Having your beer in there, just there's something about it. I'm expecting Specs yeah. to keep me up to speed with what all the the cool and and interesting beers are but when i see you in heb i don't know there's a there's another level of respect like these guys are really breaking through and and i know that it's hard to it's hard to even state what a big deal that is when i see cali boy sitting in my heb yeah, yeah no it's great it, oh it's like you've become like you're still craft beer local beer but now you're Mm-hmm. You're on the beer aisle. You're, you're you're in that one place where people are already picking up groceries for like you know for the for, you know for the drive home. Mm-hmm. You know they're getting everything together and then and they can pick up some like, labels. So. If you were in a band, it'd be like hearing yourself on the radio a little bit. Yeah, you're like oh, yeah, that's a good comparison. There you yeah, go. That's a good comparison. <laughs> well, you know my my wife has this thing that she does f- because she loves me. Uh, when she goes and does the weekly grocery shopping at H E B, she always brings me home a mixed six pack. Of different beers that she's seeing maybe for the first time uh, that she thinks I might like to try. Many of which made their way onto the show, by the way. Uh, but uh, but it's always so exciting getting to see new beers and stuff and realizing this stuff was, was at HEB, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I think that was the first time I had Cali Boy was when she brought it home in one of those mixed six-packs from HEB. And I was like, oh, oh, oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, my my dad recently retired, and and he has this whole shtick now where he goes to he goes to like Specs or Total Wine, and, and he's he's like a big exploring all this craft beer now, and it's he's he's only discovered craft beer very late in life, but now it's like it's like oh what's this one where's this one from right, what, like right. what's their story what kind of what's hops that? are they using in this one yeah, yeah exactly. it's, it's every day is a little like he has his regular beer that he has like he like he's a big like Bush Light type of, <laughs> like, like like type of guy but he'll start off with one big beer. Maybe two, and then he'll he'll like he'll go down his uh his regular path. But it's uh no beer is exploration. It is, and that's and that's what it really has become more and more as craft has taken over. It's not just necessarily that people have found a craft beer that's become their new favorite that replaced you know Bud Light or whatever they drank before. It's almost more that they've become part of this excited group of experimenters that. Loves yeah. trying all these new things. And I know that makes it a challenge for you guys because you've got to constantly be reinventing and coming out with new things while hoping that you have certain ones that will you really still got to have become, your core line. Become yeah. part of the core line. Yeah, it, it's very str- strange, especially no label. We're, we're 11 and a half years old, about to turn 12 in November. Uh, and we've with with a decade and two. Uh, with all like all these beards that we've released. Well, people come up to us. It's like, hey, where did that one beard go? And I'm like, well, we stopped brewing it five years ago. I was like, are you sure it was that long? It was like, yeah. It's like, well, everyone loved it. And I was just like, it's hard to say that like they, people just didn't love it enough, or you know, people or didn't buy it. If people had loved it enough, it would still be out, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. And the core, like our core beers, have changed over the years. Uh, almost every core, the only core that's remained since like kind of year one to right now is El Jefe. Yeah, El Jefe. I remember from like day one. Like right. El Jefe just kind of remains the king. It, it's slowly getting eaten up. Like I'm, I'm, I look at the numbers. I look at now everything. It's 
what it used to be way ahead of everyone, but now 1980 and Gillies and Cali yeah, Boy, yeah, they're yeah. all kind of like. The question, though, then is are the numbers of El Jefe going down or is there, are the other ones just surpassing it? Oh, the other ones are just surpassing it. Yeah, yeah. Like, El Jefe is not losing so its good. audience. Yeah, it's, it's just... so good. So let me ask you this. Let's say you mentioned that, you know, later this year, the El Carlito will be put out there to retail. Yeah. At what point do you decide, okay, the sales on this are strong enough that it's going to be, it's going to remain, it's going to be year round, it's going to be part of the core, core line. line yeah. And when you do, does it replace something or do you add uh, another beer to your core yeah, that's line? That's a tough one when you're fighting for SKUs, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Because then we have to maintain those SKUs, right? Uh, um, it's, you know, uh, we'll see. Cali Boy, you know, when, when it came to market, it, it was a seasonal. It was just mm-hmm. a one-off. It was doing right. really well here. It went, went there. And it, it, it was just like, but it, also it's a mix of you believe in something. And right. sometimes right. That, that belief adds a little more pump to those numbers right. where like it's like if this just finds the right audience but I, you know i think about saint arnold for example Alyssa was their sort of flagship ipa yeah and when then they came out with art car and it was so successful for them that i'm not going to say it's replaced Alyssa. i think you can still get it but you i don't can still s- get Alyssa. but I it's, it's back down lot, yeah. uh, i don't see a lot of it I, I would almost seem like it has been replaced in the core line with uh with art car and so you have to wonder, you know, would El Carlito bump something else out of the core line if it becomes massively successful or uh, anything's possible? I mean, it, it's a delicious Weizenbach. Uh, right now, I would say there's probably no need. I would just expand the line because right. we're, we're at about five cores now. What's another six? And, and, you're, adding the, <laughs> and you're adding the two new tanks. So there's Yeah, that. we're adding two new tanks, so we're going to try to – Hopefully, get some breweries around town to, to ideally help us. Uh, well, uh, that's one of the cool things about the craft brew uh, community is if you don't have the capacity to brew something, you can get someone to help you out with that. That you're talking about contracting, contract, contract yeah, brewing. yeah. There, there, there's less money to be made for sure, but it's right. added, but it when allows you, bo- you to support that skew, though. Uh, yes. Uh, you can maintain the placement. Maybe this allows more innovation here in the tap room. Yeah. You know, like because the thing is, like we're at capacity right now, and usually, usually we're pumping about twenty, twenty-five individual beers now. And now we have about half that. And I, I would like to get the the key thing about <clears throat> well, any company, I guess. But like I, you know, I'm trying to keep my brewers happy. My brewers, they like to innovate. They like to create the El Carlitos yeah, of, of the world yes. and the Cali Boys. Yeah. And if they end up just They're making. Not- the, the same things they're gonna end up looking out the window being like well what if i had I it's can't. not like that that uh that budweiser documentary you watched where everyone's just trying to make the most budweiser budweiser yeah like right. that's that's king, so bizarre king to me. Of beers, have you seen this thing no yeah, it's his whole i haven't watched it, it. he was so telling it, me about it's it. on amazon this okay. is amazon how bizarre com. is this right and i believe it's called king of beers if i'm remembering the title right and you have to watch it because it's this whole documentary about inside Anheuser-Busch, they have, you know, different breweries around the world, right, sure. that, that make Budweiser. And they have an internal competition every year where the brewmasters and their staffs work to produce the most Budweiser-y Budweiser that they can. So are these like the Carbox of the world? That, no, that no, this is no, no, actual this Budweiser, is Budweiser. This is the oh, wow. Budweiser okay. uh, branch of the Anheuser-Busch. Brewing company, and it's the brewmasters who brew Budweiser. 
and then it's an it's an internal competition. So you've got St. Louis competing with Houston, competing with you know uh, uh, London or wherever there are other uh, huh. breweries are around the world with Canada, and they all come together for this competition where they're trying to, to brew Budweiser, the most authentic Budweiser that they can, and it's this huge. I mean, they take this just as seriously getting a win at this as as you did with the uh, uh, with the World oh, beer, uh, beer Cup. Yeah. I mean, it's a big deal, and they are revered inside the company. And the only thing I could think while I was watching it was, I've had Budweiser. I know what Budweiser tastes like. Why don't these guys focus on making the best beer they could brew yeah. instead of making the most Budweiser-y Budweiser that they could brew and it's uh, but it's it's a fascinating thing to watch you would enjoy the uh, uh, yeah. the documentary it's, it's uh, a amazon. little ridiculous yeah, yeah it's a king little, of beers on amazon okay. it's a little ridiculous on top but of that i'm going to make a prediction i believe wholeheartedly that this will become part of your core line. i'm going to make okay. i'm going to make I, I a prediction that i'm going to drink a lot of this <laughs> perfect and, and I, I can tell you I think my prediction's good, but Ian's probably has about a 100% chance of coming <laughs> I'm going to try to drink enough of this to make sure it becomes Coraline. <laughs> like, if I can do that I believe challenge. Accepted. <laughs> I believe in you. <laughs> All right, we are going to take a break. When we come back, it's drinking news time. And I don't know if you're holding on into anything that you think is going to top this, but I'd be interested to, uh, to see what that I'll check what's back there. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll be right back. It's smoking and toast. Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. We are on location today at No Label Brewing in Katy, Texas. We're on show number 287, and our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars, of which Ian has just uh, lit a new, a new one, and you are in its uh, thrall, oh, man. so to the, speak. The, you know. the Gloria Cabana Siri Armaduro. Mm, it's one of your this, all-time faves, isn't Absolutely. It? This thing is so good. Like, mm. just 100% delicious. You actually let me take a nice uh, whiff of the pre-light on there. You want to talk about a chocolate bomb. It is, it is just an Just before absolute, it's even lit. There's a there's a sweetness it leaves on the lips, too. And it's not a sweet cigar. but uh, Well, it's not a, like, sweet tip cigar or anything. But it leaves a sweetness on the lips. It's just... Sweet in the Maduro sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely remarkable. Well, that is... Uh, that is a wonderful thing. You enjoy that, but you're going to have to put it down for a moment because it's time for you to accompany me on the intro to Drinking News. Drinking News, Drinking News. Now it's time for Drinking News. Drinking News, Drinking News. Now it's time for Drinking News. A Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. When asked about his absent arm, he said, uh, I had to take my gator Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. Now, I know it was a little hard for you to hear it, but it went into the microphone. That was the uh, Geico Gecko uh, saying, I had to take my gator to the vet. <laughs> nice. Or at least a reasonable facsimile thereof. <laughs> drinking news is our segment on the program, which has become to be unexplainably popular. Uh, I don't know. I don't have an explanation for it. If I did, you probably wouldn't believe me. But uh, it, has, uh, it has become popular, and it is the segment of the program where we bring you a story from the news somewhere that is at least purported to be true. These are not stories from The Onion. They're, uh, they're not meant as parody. Uh, but they are stories that are sometimes about drinking. A story 
that sometimes takes you back to the glory days of yore in the 80s before, you know, things like safety were invented, <laughs> you know. Uh, and they're not always about drinking, but they are always stories that are probably best consumed if you have been drinking. So I'm going to take a little sip of this Don Jalapeno. There we go. Don mm-hmm. Jalapeno. You guys have had this in your line for a long Ooh, time. Ah, uh, but now um, our peppers are smoked, sourced and smoked by the Blood Brothers. Uh, I was just about to say, it's got a real smokiness to it. That's I don't know. different. That's yeah. way different than it used to be. Very. <laughs> Digging it. So That's, Blood Brothers Barbecue, that text, they're on Texas Monthly. And your Monthly's. label's way different than it used to be. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Texas Monthly's top 50 barbecue places in Texas. Uh, they're mm-hmm. good friends of ours. They smoke the peppers. Uh, and we do a nice hand-to-hand and uh, throw in our boil and... I'm just going to say it. I'm not normally a big fan of beers that have pepper heat. Yes. I usually like my food hot and my beer nice and cold to wash it down. But this is probably my favorite peppered beer I've ever had. All right. I, so I have a little story about Don Jalapeno. You guys came out with it years ago. Yes. And, um, and I bought a six-pack of it because no label. You know. Sure. I'll just buy it. Um, and I bought a six pack of it and I poured that it goes for you guys out there too. Yeah. <laughs> Remember no label buy it. Um, and I, uh, I bought the six pack and I got it home and, uh, my wife likes drinks with spice in them. I don't generally like drinks with spice in them, like spice, like heat spice. Sure. I love like you almost can't make it too hot for me to eat. Like I'm not up for a challenge on that, but I like very spicy things. So don't ask me if it's spicy or not. Cause Sometimes it doesn't even register as spicy to me. But I took I, I drank some of the beer, and I thought, it's okay. And my wife was like, man, it's okay. And then we used it to make brats, and it was amazing. Some of the most amazing brats I think oh. I've ever made. Um, now, let's fast forward to now, because this is the next time I've tried it since then. This is very different from what I remember. So, very, so very Don, Don actually died of death. Uh, uh, long story short, uh, they stopped making Dawn. It became What the Hatch for a few years. I remember What the Hatch, yes. <laughs> and then it it was just kind of, it was labor intensive because everyone was cutting the peppers up on this side. And it, whenever you would see it happen over here, it was like it was like men, grown men dying. Right. <laughs> cutting up like, the peppers, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Um, and they stopped it for a few years. And then uh, we're partners with the Blood Brothers uh, Barbecue. Um Myself and the uh, and the other owner of No Label, we we have a very small stake in the business. We're just we're essentially just around for the brisket. Uh, but <laughs> that's all right. It's, it's not perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with that. And but but when when they were launching and and, and we were coming to this, we were like, we got to find a way to partner on something. But what but, but what the hell is it? And that's when Kui, uh, the pitmaster uh, over there, he was like, you know, I was a real big fan of Don Jalapeno from years back. We should bring it back. But if we bring it back, we need to do the peppers and all the stuff in-house over here. Do it my way. You know, and uh, and so between that and then also our the Cali boy himself and his two cents on it, you have a, a pretty sessionable pepper here. No kidding. Beer. Like, no wow, kidding. what a difference. Like, that yeah. is yeah, that is delightful, actually. Like, it's it not really gonna, is. It's not going to screw up your day. Right. Absolutely. You mentioned brisket earlier. Brisket. You know, like you used to get back on the farm when when you'd be outside and you'd think, whatever happened to Bessie? And Grandpa would be like, hey, we have this delicious brisket for dinner tonight. (laughs) 
Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we were doing drinking news. We were, but I just wanted to mention before we get so, back to it PTSD that I'm that I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I just saw the guy from the El Carlito can walk by. Was that him? I think he just walked into the brewery. Yeah, I'm like, dude, you're a celebrity. You're on the El Carlito can. But he was he was very he was walking. He was very cool. Like you could tell, he just had that aura about him. Like, yeah, I'm on the can. I'm on the can. All right, uh, should we do the the theme song over again? Uh, just to get back into the uh, the drinking news vibe here. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news, drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. When asked about his absent arm, he said, uh, hang on a second. I turned my phone off accidentally. Here we That's go. That's not what he said. When asked about his absent arm, he said, uh, Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. <laughs> hey, at least you know the show is live, right? Well, you know, it's not overdone. We run such a tight schedule on this show. Yeah, we do. We do indeed. We're enjoying beers and uh, no label and smoking cigars. So, And I just have my my microphone jammed into the table. So I know. I it works perfectly. do this without hands. As usual this week, news coverage is bursting at the seams. With the exploits of Florida man. <laughs> a Florida man was arrested for impersonating a police officer so he could get the policeman's discount on his double with cheese at Wendy's. Or there's the story of a Florida man who was arrested for chasing three kids through the neighborhood with a machete who said he was, quote, just trying to scare them, end quote. Nice work. <laughs> Or the Florida man who intentionally rammed his car into a state trooper's vehicle because he wanted to go to jail and told police he, quote, felt like he was already in jail, end quote. Sounds as if he must be dating my ex-wife. A Florida man. But our story today takes us across the pond to the U.K. instead of Florida, where a 21-year-old driver was arrested for a multitude of offenses. The fiasco began after officers attempted to pull over an Audi A7 they had observed maneuvering recklessly all over the road near Bexley. The driver, however, refused to pull over, resulting in a 35-mile chase that took them from southeast London all the way to Kent. They were even forced to call in a police helicopter to see, aid in the pursuit. Now, now, see, I just want to point out some of the differences. If you were in Texas, if you were in Houston, a 30-mile chase would take you from Houston... To Houston. Houston. <laughs> That's exactly right. Whereas in London, you're halfway, in England, you're halfway across the country. You're from London to Kent. Uh, but eventually, the police did caught up, a policeman rather, did catch up with the man in Minster, Kent, after he ran out of gas. And they subsequently found a large stash of marijuana in his car. But the officer shared in a tweet what the absolute best part of the story was, which was when they asked for his license the man happily produced it. The only problem, apparently, was that his driver's license had been issued to him by Legoland, a <laughs> theme park a theme park he had visited as a kid in 2013. <laughs> now, this, this is good enough. You'll see the photo. It's there got a if photo. You're watching the, uh, if you're watching the video of the show. Uh, we've been able to confirm that Legoland gives this license 
to kids who pass the theme park's driving test, which entails using a brick-built electric car to navigate traffic lights, roundabouts, Lego policemen, and even a speed camera, according to the Legoland website. Now, since the policemen who pulled him over were not made of interlocking plastic bricks, they arrested him and took him to jail. What's kind of mind-boggling about this is that apparently the man had kept this Legoland license in his wallet for years, since he was a little kid. And who knows what he actually did get away with by flashing it. You know, maybe he used it to drink at that bar called Lincoln Logs, or <clears throat> used it to buy weapons at the G.I. Joe munitions store. You never know, right? The fact is, there are much better fake IDs available. There's actually a website, and I am not kidding, called idtop.is that advertises three-day express service shipping on, quote, premium fake IDs, end quote. You don't even have to drive a car made of Legos and pass a test to get one. Although, driving a Lego car does sound kind of cool. I might have to put that on the bucket list. <laughs> I, I, now, I, you know, back when, uh, in my early 20s, we had a friend of ours who forgot her driver's license. I don't know how you, you know, if you got a purse for one, how do you forget your driver's <laughs> you forget license? Your driver's license yeah. If you don't forget your purse, right? But for two, the only license she had was a Houston Grand Prix driver's it's license. It's the same kind of thing, except not made of Legos. Which was which was a little go-kart place. And yep. I remember a few clubs letting her in on that yeah, alone. See, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not only would I love to drive the Lego car, because that does sound kind of cool, right? I'd also love to, you know, not stop there. I'd love to fly that awesome Lego plane that Lego Batman does, zooms around in in the I'm Lego Batman. movie. I, I, you know, I could be a way more convincing Batman than Ben Affleck. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, anyway, the man was released on bail, and his Legoland license has been confiscated until further notice. Now all that's left in his wallet is a debit card, a Monopoly get-out-of-jail-free card, which apparently did not work, a My Little Pony equestrian license from 2009, and an unused condom, which is well past its expiration date. <laughs> do, you, do you remember in, um, in uh, uh, the, uh, the Big Lebowski when he's like, the only ID you have is a Ralph's card? <laughs> uh, seriously? If that's not the greatest movie of all time, it is totally in the top five. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Totally in the top five. Uh, it was a classic the instant it came out. It right? really it was. was. nothing quite it really like was. it. <laughs> and Jeff Bridges, by the way, is the man. He is the man. Reporting from Legoland, where I am really suspicious about getting on the Lego coaster, a high-speed ride made completely of interlocking bricks. <laughs> My name is Cruz, and that, my friends, is your drinking news, drinking news. That's our time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. <laughs> uh, thank you. See, the, see, that segment just wouldn't be the same without the ukulele. Uh, I just have to say, yeah, it ukulele. <laughs> the ukulele is is what it needs, what it what it is, what it was, and what it shall be. The ukulele, the ukulele has a built-in amount of uh, comedy to it. It or comedic value just because it's so tiny. Yeah, and and because it has that unique sound. Yeah, you know? it has that sound. Yeah, it's really good. Speaking of really good, I've taken a couple of sips of this, and I have to tell you, I'm not a fan of ginger. When I have sushi, I put the ginger to the side. Oh, I like the ginger. 
but this is this is not there's not so much ginger here that it puts me off in this beer. It's actually quite tasty. Yeah, this is our ginger sour goza. It's uh, it's also great summertime beer, but it's good for figure cleansing the palate and kind of getting off the El Carlito roller coaster, as it were. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, and what a lovely coaster it What's is. What's the ABV on this one? Uh, this is just around five and a half. Yeah, percent. gozas are usually fairly no. sessionable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually surprised because a lot of them are e- even under five. Uh, oh. That no, that's particularly good. I I like yes, I like gozas. I like sour beers. Tell uh, me again what this is called. It's called Ginger Ninja. Ginger, ginger Ninja. Ninja. We call it's it Ginger in short. Ginger. The label's way off on the end. It kind okay. of you can yeah. see it's like it's a bunch of red. Uh, marks uh but yeah it's uh we uh we brewed this last year and, and what inspired this beer i just we were just making gozas we had a mojito lime goza that did very well mm-hmm. then we made then we made a ginger goza and then the ginger goza just we thought it wasn't going to be as big as it was and I keep, but this is one of those things that you you just never know yeah you never know and then mm-hmm. everyone, everyone just kept on drinking it and ordering it and i was like i guess we're doing this again and then <laughs> and then it was like oh, we'll push them to the market and then it was like okay we'll push them to the market but uh, you know we just need to fill a skew nothing's yeah, gonna right. and then it was like oh they all want more of it oh no uh, yeah, so my friends that's uh, no, it's really refreshing though yeah no it, it is it's from got, its humble beginnings and and another really good beer for you know hot days in summertime too uh, because it's got such a light, refreshing vibe to it. Yeah, I mean, and all the beers we've had today are, you know, all, you know, different styles. This <laughs> comes across, uh, you know, when you get a really good ginger ale kind of uh, thing that's not too sweet. Because a lot of the uh, better ginger ales, we're gonna wait till people walk right by the camera there. <laughs> all right, a lot of good ginger ales. Yeah. Um, uh, come out with a lot of sweetness, that kind of thing. If you find one that's very dry and very not sweet, this comes out like that, but with the added bonus of beer. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Sure. And exactly. a little bit of sour, which is just fantastic. A ginger ale can be very refreshing. This is just as refreshing, but it's beer. But it's beer. But it's beer. Yeah, yeah. and it's available in stores right now, so you can go and is get it. Is this a seasonal? <clears throat> this is a seasonal, yeah, but yeah. HEBs, Total Wine, Specs, Kroger's. I mean, anywhere that sells beer, you can probably it's, go it's, get it. Yeah, Translate that really to your local area because, like, Kroger becomes a bunch of different other grocery stores stop that will have the same. Stop yeah. and chop. Oh, but if you're in. say t- when I was in Boston. Stop and chop. Stop and chop. Uh, if you're here in Houston, Texas, just go to, go to your local HEB or Kroger, Total Wine, Specs. When <laughs> I was in uh, Boston, it was Stop and Chop and Star Market. Star Market. Mm-hmm. And we would pack our car by the Habba. You know, and uh, it's funny because it's so lightly sour that it has it has no problem going along with the cigar, which right. also, it, by it the doesn't, way, it doesn't combat the cigar at all. The ginger and the chocolate <laughs> of the cigar are so nice together, and it brings out a little more cedar in the cigar. What, what beers tend to combat cigars in a negative uh, way? IPAs. Well, IPAs oh, yeah, do, really, and, yeah. I, and I'm, IPAs my favorite style of beer, huh. and I love smoking cigars with beer, but there are a number of IPAs that I love on a certain level that I just can't have a cigar with. They're just <laughs> dueling each other. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, they, they the, do. The they fight with each other. flavors don't, oh. don't mesh. Now, I will say rye whiskey and IPAs yes, go together very well. Yes, they do. Uh, and so th- those things can, uh, as Ian likes to say, they can form like Voltron. Yes. 
Yeah, and and they can really work. But having well. a sour sours are one of those funny things where there's certain sours that will will go with a cigar, and certain ones that certain just ones that don't. Yeah, absolutely this won't. This one, that ginger in there is so light and snappy, and it's got such a like a a good like beer and malty kind of thing going on, and a little bit of sour beyond that. But it really brings out the chocolate and and cedar in this cigar, which are so prevalent to begin with. But it really brings it out and takes it kind of to another level. You know, I, I will say I I really love Gozes. I, I should drink them more often than I do, but to me that kind of sour appeals to me more than a more traditional, uh, you know, sour beer. Sure. I, I, can, I can enjoy a good sour, don't get me wrong, but I find that Gozes are just more palatable to me. They, they're they easier for me to, to handle, I guess, is, is, is a good way to say it. Yeah, I'm in the same camp. Yeah, I'm uh, again, a good sour can be a wonderful thing, but those are beers of which I generally will want only one. Yes. Whereas a Goza, I can, I can go, this was good, I'll have another. Well, I, this is... This is not a, a like a heavy sour kind of goza thing either. It's like um, St. Arnold had their boiler maker, which was just such a, a pleasant, boiler room, a boiler it? room, not yes. boiler maker. Sorry, that's that's a drink, which was just such a pleasant sour. But this is like that with with an extra kick of like you got a little ginger in there, a little extra interest. It's really really fun. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, but yeah, I'm totally in the typically with sours like if I if I go to Jester King or something, I can have maybe one or two, and then I'm I'm kind of like. I'm kind of dumb scheme, like my my my, my, ta- my palate, my taste buds have just been blasted, and I'm like, I'm like I, I, I can do no more. Uh, so so uh, like Petrus used to sell a uh, a six pack that of of different sours that you could kind of blend to your own sour. Did you ever get one of those? Before? No, no, no. So Petrus makes like very sour beers, mm-hmm, very much so, and uh, and that was a lot of fun. But that's not like cigar smoking material right there. That's a uh, Oh. That's, a, that's, a, that's like you're going to enjoy it by itself and almost nothing unless you're having like rhubarb pie. It's not going to go with it. You know? <laughs> that's what I love about uh, uh, Ooh, a rhubarb salad about beer in general. Mm. I mean, there's like, you know, there's 60 to 70 breweries in Houston and everyone's everyone's attempting all these styles. Some of some of them cross over. Some of them don't. But they're, all those beers are completely different. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and, and what's great about the diversity of styles that you find in craft beer today is that everybody can find something that totally works for them. You know, I'm more of an IPA guy. Ian loves stouts and porters, and he's a barley wine guy. And I, I enjoy all of those things, but but still my favorite, my go-to is always going to be a really tasty IPA. That's just, <clears throat> But that's what's great about beer. Whatever it is that really fits your palate the best, you can find wonderful wonderful examples of that in craft beer these days even if you like the taste of uh, a macro brews we can find you a lager that will kick budweiser's ass sure you know oh all day long yeah and and we'll just give you so much better flavor and so much more enjoyment while still being just as palatable and easy to drink and you know what you can still keep that budweiser mirror on your wall while you drink it it's okay it's okay yeah you can still have your spuds mckenzie towel that you dry yourself off of when you get out of the uh, pool. I just want to point out, I did mention rhubarb sour at some point. So if you mention that to your, you know, no. brewmaster, okay. never steal another man's rhubarb. That's a saying <laughs> I heard one time. I don't know what it even means, but I thought I'd throw it in. 
What movie is that from? I, my, I mom, my mom used to. Something, it's from something. Yeah. My mom used to go grow up. Uh, oh, like it's, Jack, it's Jack Nicholson and the J- Joker and the Batman. Is it? Oh, yeah. I think it may be. Yes, yes. From the from the original and still the best Batman, the Tim Burton <laughs> Batman. <laughs> there you go. Oh, my mom Keaton. used to grow rhubarb in the backyard, and I used to break the stalks off and just chew on them, and she would get so mad at me because she, <laughs> she didn't have enough to make a pie. But I just want to point out, rhubarb sour. All right. Rhubarb I'm saying. I'm just saying. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got another one. Yeah, you got another one. See, that, that was the goal. That's the way it works. One at a time, you know. <laughs> one drinker at a time. Well, you guys, honestly, you've done so great, and we're gonna take a break and come back with our uh, sort of goodbye and closing segment. But you guys have done so great. We're so proud to be, you know, represented by you guys uh, and other breweries as well. But particularly, what you guys have done, you're you know, your awards, you're just absolutely amazing beers. It's so awesome to be able to say, I'm from Houston and we have no label. Yeah. You know, we yeah. have we have these guys who are actually continuing to innovate and do wonderful creative things. And you guys are not as off the wall. Sure. As some of the breweries that are out there and some of those off the wall <coughs> breweries Ingenious. are wonderful. Ingenious is a, oh, that comes to mind. But what you do is such a... Uh, I think such a, 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 a sort of a mainstream craft beer experimentation yeah. is the best way I could uh, that, I, that I can find to say it. You continue to push the limits of what the mainstream of craft beer is. And I just think that's absolutely wonderful. Well, uh, thank you very much. Also, you know, uh, first time we came on here was around year 10. It was like right after we survived the year of COVID, mm-hmm. but, yeah, but, yeah. but which isn't shortly after uh, we took over the company. Right. So, um, and then, so it's been about two years now and we kind of have seen the ride and kind of everything starting to pay off. So, well, thanks for being along for the journey. Hats off to you. Were. And speaking of which, I wear my no, my no label hat. You brought us all the time. That's one of my I, favorite caps. I have caps. to put mine in a washer cause it has that salt ring around it now. <laughs> that happens in I Texas. Have to do that, yeah. that happens in Texas. <laughs> all right. We're going to be back to say goodbye. Uh, this has been a very, very fun edition of the program, show number 287. What did you say? Five-eighths of the way. Five-eighths of the way to, to 300. Uh, 300. Yeah. And uh, we'll be right back. It's <laughs> Trust me, the math works out. I I'm going to leave all, Liberty. I know what I'm I'm leave about. all the math to you. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking and toasting, my friends. Craft beer, fine spirits, hand-rolled cigars uh, on location. such good things. At No Label Brewing in Katy, uh, Texas. And what a fun show this has been. So good, so good. Uh, and, you know, not like the beers had a lot to do with it, but uh, <laughs> uh, we, we've had some great stuff today. I, I'm, I'm all, I can already tell you I'm a big El Carlito fan. That is a Can we just finish this show so I can go get some more of that? Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what we're about to do. <laughs> Um, uh, but uh, love the uh, Ginger Ninja. Uh, in fact, everything we've had has been good. I feel like, though, even though it's summer, we're kind of staying a little bit on the lighter side. We should talk about your love for wh- was it, which which beer was it? Perpetual peace. Yeah, yes, yeah, you didn't bring any of that out today, but I'm going to take some of that home too. Yeah. Uh, so so I'm let's have talk, a can in the back. Let's wait, wait. talk a little bit about what you were saying to me before the show about that beer. Oh, when I was here last time, you guys had the perpetual piece on uh, bourbon barrels. Well, you came out for our anniversary. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and, and that was way, a blast. You, you've got some barrels sitting in there that are visible. 
I think Doug took some shots of that. Oh, on the back wall here. What do you have cooking inside those? Um, mainly perpetual peace, uh, some new surprises, but that'll all be ready come this November. So for, the next time I hang out, I just bring a 12. drill. Well, I think it's around, <laughs> around the next time that we should probably do a show, probably around right around the year 12 anniversary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right, right when we tap those barrels. I'm down. <laughs> I'm just I'm down. bringing a drill. Oh, actually, that would be a lot of fun. We could take it, bring it out here for the barrel tasting. So, oh, let's, let's that just would say, be amazing. If, if we can title a show "Tapping the Barrels," that that's a that's a winner of a show. Bashing the bungholes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that, you know that may be your thing. Bashing I don't know. Bashing the bungholes. Well, it is Pride Month. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> uh, no. But we do we, we we do we do tap the barrels, and then the problem always with tapping the barrels is like you just never know what you're gonna get. So. A, a barrel might become infected. A barrel might not be. So we actually, we so some of the barrels may be great. Some of them may not be so good, right? And so we all, we, we we basically get a group of people. And so you guys can join this group. You guys come out here. And then basically we get little of these tasters. And we and we get like, we do every barrel. So we just a little bit. And then we just score it of, of what we think. And the, I mean, you it, it, the afternoon just slowly goes sideways. Very slowly. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. Count me in. I'm down with that. That's awesome. Pretty soon you're like, but you didn't even pour me. You've had six of those. What are yeah. you talking about? Yeah. So uh, perpetual peace, though. You were saying uh, before. The so show. oh yeah. So last and so okay. So I came out for that, and, and it was so much fun. Like first off, you were such an amazing host. Like I told you, I was out here, and you came out, <laughs> and you introduced me to a bunch of your friends. So that's when I got to meet. Uh, uh, a bunch of other people over here. James uh, Simpson, John Denman. Yeah, uh, yeah. John Denman joined me on a show shortly after that. And then uh, 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 Val from Valensons. Yeah. And a bunch of other people. We all sat around that table over there with a the camera sitting right there. And um, and just enjoyed tons of beer. But I ended up buying uh, a bomber of your, uh, of your um, uh, perpetual piece, Barrel Age. And I saved it. And I saved it. And I saved it. And when I had some friends over to the house, I was like, Hey, I got this, and I cracked it open, and everyone's like, "I don't know, I want to drink something more sessionable." So I drank it myself, and it put me in a different place than everybody else was in. <laughs> sure, it had to. but it was a wonderful place, right? That was okay because what was that? That thing was like somewhere in the neighborhood of ten or twelve percent at that. It point. is um, somewhere between twelve point three and fourteen. It's just kind of oh, it's underrated. hard to gauge. Yeah, yeah life <laughs> is oh, good. My God. <laughs> you know what? I had to drink the whole thing myself. I was a committed man. I said, you know what? I don't have a commitment issues on this. I will actually. Ian's the kind of guy that will finish what he started. Well, you know, I, 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 as I was telling you before, it, if you drink uh, an entire bomber or two cans of perpetual peace, it's definitely gonna, it's either gonna get you in a, rel- a relationship or take you out of one. I mean, there's really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know that really, at the end of the day, that is what it's all about. So good. Uh, your your perpetual peace is one of my absolute favorite beers. Um, out there, and uh, whenever I see it in the store, and I don't see it all that often, but whenever I see it in the store, I usually snap it up. <clears throat> I see a sign on the wall that says uh, "No Label Brewing Company, ten years." Are you past ten? Yet? How how long has the has No Label been around now? So we it'll be twelve years this November. Okay, <clears throat> it'll be twelve years uh-huh. this November. So, and perpetual peace. It used to just come out sometime around Christmas, or, or but now we've. When we took it over, we just kind of because Perpetual Peace is kind of our best beer, as it were. I mean, Cali Boy, I guess technically is our best beer, but but, but, but yeah, but, it, it's your most you know brewmaster consistent. It's the consistent. Everyone likes it. It only right. comes in a short period of time, and 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 there's something special about it because we put it. Piece de resistance. 
we put it in barrels like two weeks ago, and now they just sit. We they sit and we wait, <laughs> and yeah. and we take them out of the barrels the week the those, week of the anniversary. Those barrels are expanding right now because it's freaking hot. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and that's another thing. We are in. They they aren't exactly climate controlled either, right? So no. So every year it's a little different. Uh, I mean, last year's did win um, uh, a medal at Texas Craft Brewers Cup, and it just won a medal at the Fredericksburg Craft Beer Festival. But uh, yeah, I mean, who knows uh, what, what comes out of those barrels, or like if it sours, if it doesn't sour. Only time will tell. But but that's almost the joy of of just barrel aging in general. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it is the big question. Mark. It is the wonderful sort of chef-like experimentation yeah. that happens with uh, with those kind of beers, and it's it's uh, it's a thing to be celebrated. That's what I would say. Right. Ian, I'm going to pour you a little of mine so we can say goodbye oh, sorry. here. Sorry, I just drank yeah, mine. Uh, you just uh, topped yours off, but I want to thank everybody for uh, being here for a part of show number 287. We are drawing closer to show number 300. And as we get closer, we'll start to... We're five-eighths of the way. So yeah, I think by the time we get to 290, we'll be seven-eighths of the way. That sounds about right to me. It seems something. like a little bit of a leap, but I've done Again, the math. Again, I, I leave the math to you. What happens math. at episode 300? Well, so we're going to do... We're gonna <laughs> Just do like when the gatekeeper meets the key master. <laughs> it's very, very much like that. Yes. Wait for it. Here I, it I love the reference. Now, what we do... Uh, what we did this with the 100th show. And the 200th happened in the middle of lockdown COVID. So we didn't really do... A celebratory 200 show. We just kind of went, woo, and popped a popper. Right. And that was it. But for 300, we'll do what we did for 100 again, which we'll gather at a uh, at a special place. I think we're going to be at the New Potato, right? Yeah, we're talking about it with uh, Paul over there, and he'll okay. let us borrow his entire backyard. Oh, so, you know Paul. I yes. love Paul. Oh, yes. Paul's the man. Uh, There's a whole after show that's about to happen. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll get into that, and uh, you can find it in the bonus material here. For smoking and toasting. Uh, but the plan will be that we will invite everyone who has ever been a guest on smoking and toasting from show number one all the way to 300. And not everyone will make it, but a lot of people will. They'll bring with them bottles and cans and cigars, and we will have a free-for-all. Show number 100 was almost four hours long. Oh, wow. That's how long it took to just let everybody kind of say their piece, and we got into oh, we some had a really blast. amazing discussions, and everyone Ubered home. There is uh, never a bad time uh, at the New Potato. Uh, and, uh, so, you, you got, yeah, it's a perfect spot for it. Yeah. I, I love the New Potato. I love Paul to death. So. Well, thank you so much for uh, having us out here at the brewery. Uh, it is a wonderful space. We want to encourage everyone in this area to come and spend some time here because not only is the beer amazing, but it, it's got a great vibe. It's very laid back. It's uh, yeah. got plenty of space. And you if, can still be socially distanced. And if you're passing through Katy, or even if you're shopping at the big-ass mall over here, it is minutes. Like, and it's yeah. easy to find. It is right off 90. Yeah. Once you exit I-10, Katy Mills, it's, it's, it's two minutes from Yeah, like, you take here. a right, you take another right, and you're there. That's, it's one hell of a detour. Thank yeah, you for great. representing our city and uh, winning us a big medal and uh, bringing it home. That's a big deal. And we, are, uh, we continue to be incredibly impressed by your beers. We continue to be big fans, and uh, we hope you'll have us back as many times as uh, as you want. Absolutely. The anniversary is coming around the corner. More, more perpetual peace. Let's, Cheers to you guys. Let's tap some kegs. And thank you for being here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm smoking and toasting. Cheers, y'all. Cheers, y'all. Cheers, y'all.